Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are we doing today? Really? Really, that's how we're doing right now? We're going to try that one more time. Guys, how are we doing today? There we go. That's how excited I am. Awesome. So keep the energy going. I'd like you guys to welcome our guest moderator today, comedian Joe Mandy. Hello, everyone. Thank you uh, for having me. This is my first time moderating anything. So uh, that's exciting for me. I think what I'm going to do is just ask Patton a lot of questions about Steve Martin's art collection, and we'll just see how that goes. Uh, so I'm going to bring to the stage the, the star of the hour. He's the author of the new book that you're here to see him read from. Uh, everyone, Patton Oswald. Yeah, you sit over there, Joe. Joe Mandy, come on, ladies and gentlemen. Is he, does he not bring the excitement to the fabulous Apple Store Theater? Oh, so much history here. So many great, so many great shows up here. Gwyneth Paltrow promoting Country Strong. Just the memory. You feel, feel the ghosts. That's what you feel. Damn paparazzi. You killed Lady Di. Um... I'm gonna, uh, well, I'm gonna sit over here and read a chapter from this amazing new book, um, uh, Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. Uh, guys, could you please set your uh, cell phones to Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine? Just please set the ringers to that. Would be good. Um, I was gonna read, it, basically, this is a, um, I started off thinking, oh, I'll write a bunch of comedic essays that'll be really, really funny, and that. I reread uh, Without Feathers and Getting Even and went, no, nah, it's not going to work. And then I figured I would do more of an autobiography. And then when I started writing it, I just tried to write a straight autobiography and make it funny. And then that was that didn't work either. It got maudlin really quick. So I just did a my autobiography kind of out of sequence, thanks to my publisher, that was a good move, um, as a series of comedic essays. So I sort of ended up in between. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to read from this today. There's a whole chapter called The Victory Tour about the worst 11 days I've ever spent on the road doing comedy. It's horrible. But I'm actually doing shows with Joe at Caroline's. I did two last night and two tonight, and they've been really fun. So I didn't want to bum myself out before going off to do my shows. So instead, I'm going to read uh, a chapter called I Went to an MTV Gifting Suite, and all I got was this lousy awareness of my own shallowness. And this was something that I wrote in kind of a rage. I went to a, I was invited to an MTV gifting suite. I went. It was the, one of the worst things I've ever done. And it was one of the worst, um, one of those things where you kind of realize, oh, I have really horrible tendencies and features. And I just learned something really gross about myself. So I went and wrote this in kind of a rage. So here we go. I hope that this ruins your day. I got invited to the MTV Style Lounge a few years ago. It's the first and last gifting suite I'll ever go to. You know what a gifting suite is, right? Remember that episode of The Sopranos? The one where Christopher goes with Ben Kingsley to a gifting suite out in Hollywood and can't believe all the free goodies are piling onto these celebrities? Then he later punches Lauren Bacall? Yeah, that one. It's a room, or in my case, an entire fucking house full of free shit they give away to celebrities. Oh, spoiler alert, I'll be cursing in this. Sorry. I'd read about gifting suites before. Us Weekly seems to have a permanent branch of the reporting staff covering them. Hey, 
Celebrities worked hard to become insanely wealthy and famous, right? Don't they deserve some retroactive free shit to make up for all the years they had to survive on a standard living wage? Also, the term gifting sweet has this sinister Orwellian quality, like something Warren Ellis or Grant Morrison would come up with as a creepy throwaway bit of dialogue in one of their mind-bending stories. Maybe a gifting suite is a torture room or a lab where they infect subjects with biological agents, stuff like that. It wouldn't be half as horrifying as the actual suite I visited. First off, there wasn't a lot of actual celebrities there. The fact that I was invited should let you know the cultural cachet of the attendees. Well, maybe there were some big, actual, photo-worthy celebrities attending later, but not when I got there. I got there at noon on a Friday. That's when the celebrities, quote-unquote, consisted of asterisks like me and people who had fast-forwarded. Fast-forwards describes a specific substratum of the Los Angeles population. These are people who, even though they don't have a shred of talent or even a joyful curiosity about film, music, or theater, have a ravenous appetite for the rewards that these three pursuits bring. So they decided, fuck it, I'm going to fast forward to the reward stage. Part of the rewards in their estimation, and this is beyond the goodie bags, chef tables and restaurants, and access to exclusive night spots, is getting to treat everyone like shit. Assholes. Assholes in bespoke clothing, distressed jeans, and artfully faded concert t-shirts, barking and sighing at everyone and everything around them. Bitches. Bitches who stomp down Melrose in weak old fashions, already furious that there's new stuff on the racks. And I swear to God, I'd better get personal service when I walk into that goddamn boutique or this boba tea's going in someone's face. Shitheads. Shitheads who were confident that every repeated catchphrase that left their freshly bombed lips was brilliant or perfect for the occasion. Their hands were always subtly and half-masked ready to post up for a high-five when they successfully repeated the watered-down hip-hop slang they'd acquired. You pulled up to a valet station on Benedict Canyon, where a driver took your car away, and you boarded a huge SUV, which then took you a little farther up a hill to where the gifting suite residence was. Well, this was paradise for assholes, the impatient bitches, and the fearless shitheads. They got to complain about having to leave their expensive cars. They got to bitch the reception girls about having to stand in the sun. They got to roll their eyes at the SUV, which apparently was ghetto and last year. Maybe these men and women realize how short a window they have where, coiffed and dressed, they've still got tight, young enough faces to fool people for the three seconds it takes them to squeeze beyond the velvet rope. Hot, tan, blonde girls who are structurally and philosophically hideous. Buff, gelled, open-collared boys who can't read and constantly text. This is not a screed against Los Angeles. Los Angeles is five of the best cities in the country and three or four of the worst. My friend, the brilliant comedian Blaine Capatch, said, Los Angeles is eight or nine different cities. You have to pick the right ones to live in. I was spending the afternoon in the part of Los Angeles that is Sunset Boulevard west of Crescent Heights. It's Robertson Boulevard between Beverly and Olympic. Both of these areas could be napalmed, and the IQ and talent level of the city would triple. I hadn't even reached the house yet, and my self-loathing was bubbling and curdling in my stomach. The fact that, I've ex that I'd accepted the invitation revealed a nascent shithead streak that ran to my core. I know it's still there. I've got to live with it. My agent had said, you want to go to the gifting suite? MTV invited you. I responded with my lizard brain. Ah, free stuff. Ah, give me free stuff. 
Like a galumphing goat of greed and gimme, I accepted. Now I felt like shit, but it was too late. The SUV pulled up to the gifting suite residence, and a clutch of asswipes pushed their way past me from the back seat, scanning the landscape like velociraptors for someone who wasn't moving fast enough for their taste. I got my ID from the receptionist and found out that the gifting suite was put on by some organization trying to raise awareness of AIDS. I clung to this fact like a life raft in a sea of wrong. I was immediately led into a high-ceiling chamber where an Adidas rep was giving away custom shoes. A flat-screen TV was set up connected to a webpage where you can design your own sneakers. He shoved a pair of size 11 basketball high tops into a canvas bag and told me, check out the website at home when you get a chance at rocks. The second those shoes went into the bag, my brain started screaming, out, I want out! It comes down to this. I love money. I love success and fame even more, but I worked very hard to get money so I can pay for things myself. That's what turns me on and makes me happy. Having shit handed to me by surly hipsters or people whose mouths smile but eyes don't is bad for the soul. But no, I still had to do penance. Led around by a tightly smiling escort, I had to visit ghastly jewelry dealers, shitty tequila salesmen, loads and loads of iPod accessories, sorry, stationary and facial cream concerns and two sad-looking hotties from a restaurant called Pink Taco. Pink Taco, get it? It's a rude slang term for pussy, but it's Mexican food. <laughs> We're opening a new place in Century City. It's going to be, like, off the hook. It'll be super crowded and, like, the place to be, intoned one of the girls, adjusting her baby doll halter. Super crowded. That's the habitat. That's where these people thrive. I was surrounded by women waiting for someone to cut in front of them. Their upper lips were permanently curled, and their jaws were always half relaxed, ready to fully snap open and let fly with a hellish trumpeting of unrighteous fury. Their lives were spent crowded in front of the griddle on sunset for breakfast, fighting for a treadmill at crunch, jostling for lunch at Chin Chin, and spending long, pointless nights outside of Hyde or the Spider Club. I just discovered a remote bar in Magnolia in Bur Burbank, Cool, dark interior, plush booths, and never crowded. A terrific jukebox. Scotch and pretzels. One of, one of my favorite places to eat is BLD, which can get crowded, but there are plenty of windows of opportunity to eat and read and not be slapped against the rest of humanity like pigs. And I walk for hours in the space and cool of a nearby park. That is hell on earth for the assholes. If there isn't the potential for a screaming match over a shoulder nudge, it isn't life. And then uh, there's, three, there's five more paragraphs, but they're even more horrifying, and I feel like I'm bumming everybody out. So we're going to do uh, – I'll t open this to questions for you and yeah. then questions for you guys. Uh, well, I was going to mention that I'm glad you read that because you didn't want to get bummed out for later before yeah, the show. I know. Exactly. Yeah. That was, I'm an idiot. Now I'm even more – Now at least now I'm angry. Right. At, you know, at least I have energy. If I well, read the – if I read the Victory Tour chapter, I would want to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I was going to ask you a question about that, but I guess my first question is, what do you think uh, Steve Martin looks for when he buys a piece of art? Oh, boy. You know, I, it's, that, it's that sort of unnameable um, feeling of, of, uh, of kind of a felt life uh, sort of thing. And that can be, that can be uh, as, as hidden in a single brushstroke as it can be kind of slapped on the entire mise-en-place. Okay. Perfect. Uh, oh, hang think, on. I'm, I'm getting a lot of Twitters all of a sudden. Wait a second. <laughs> um, I think I, what I want to ask you is uh, the book 
you know, it's it's a collection of essays, and I think each one shows a different side of you. You know, like there's a you begin. It's like a you're like a movie nerd, mm-hmm. and then a music nerd. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, comic book nerd. Huh. I didn't fo- know. I no, I'm not being. I didn't. Th- what's great about writing a book is people read it and they just they see things that you didn't realize you had put in there. Mm. So yeah, sci-fi please, nerd. On. No, no, go yeah. Sentimental nerd, a little yeah. bit. Uh, sad nerd, angry nerd. nerd, fat nerd, older nerd, victorious nerd, and at the younger end. nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just wondering if there are any, but you you, you named them all, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, a truck driving nerd. That's the uh, that'll be the sequel. Sweet. I'm it's a whole story that. I didn't talk about. Really? I made this crazy bet to get beer back to Texarkana. It was, it was crazy. I'll talk about it later. Oh. I made a really bad movie out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Saw on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, Netflix. Catch that old classic. So, I I wouldn't I. What was the gifting suite? What was the what was it for? Was it for uh, an award I, show? I don't know. And now that I've uh, now that I've written that chapter, and other people I know that are you know way more famous than than I am, uh, talk to me about it. They go, those gifting suites happen nearly every day in Los Angeles. There is some room where. Celebrities are being brought in. A lot of times when you if you pick up Us Weekly or Life and Style or OK or you know all that stuff or a lot of the photographs and footage you see of celebrities, they just get them at gifting suites. So I, I almost think that they're paid for partially by these news organizations to get photos of celebrities and then also buy the actual products or companies themselves to get people to be seen with their product. If that makes sense. It does. But I thought I mean it's so much easier just to follow everyone around like I thought that yeah but man it's almost like yeah do you want to go um hunting for ants or you just want to leave a spoiled ham sandwich and have them all gathered sure. on the sidewalks sure. and there they all right. are so that's kind of how the gifting suite works uh i also want to know like how do you become a fast forward i don't think you become a fast forward i think it's something that some people are born with and another friend of mine described it as a lot of times when you're in la and sometimes in new york but not so much here because it's kind of harder to get away with it. Um, it's the, clearly the person that was the best-looking person in their hometown, and everyone was like, you should be an actor. And then they get out here and find out that, oh, acting is actually kind of hard, and it right. takes years to study it. So they just go, I just want to go to the clubs where the actors are hanging out. Pink Taco. Yeah, yeah. Pink Taco. I know, I met people, I met a girl and a guy, and they weren't even dating. They looked like they should be dating just because they were both the hottest people you'd ever seen. <laughs> right. And... They and you almost feel like don't don't just put your genes amongst us trolls like you know keep it. They are atmosphere models and they're hired by nightclubs and bars to go and hang out and so that hot people will be seen inside the nightclub. So their job is to and I guess they work for an agency. I, I don't know the particulars of this. I should actually look into this. They are hired by an agency to go and they get they get assignments every night. Like tonight you got to go here and hang out and be seen in line and then be seen inside. So. That's gross. It's really gross and really sad. Uh, you have a whole chapter. Uh, one of my favorite chapters is about wine, where it's different wine descriptions. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a true question. Uh, have you ever had Merlot? And oh, what yeah. Is, if so, what does it taste like? Merlot is delicious. It is a much more full-bodied red wine. Merlot, I don't know if anyone here knows anything about wine. I, I know very little. But Merlot, to me, always... Like reminds me of it's like a friendly construction worker. Like it, it's not getting the uh, you know it, it's not getting the the kind of um, special treatment that the Pinot Noirs or the Chardonnay gets. But Merlot's like, you know what? 
When you're done with all those guys, I'm here. Just grill a steak, make some potatoes, and pour me in a glass. I'll be, I'll be right there for you, man. I turned 21 right when Sideways came out. <laughs> and so I'm curious, but I'm always afraid Paul Giamatti is going to be mad at me if I buy it, so I don't. Well, I think that if, even, you know, if you talk to Paul, he was playing a character who was kind of a dick. Like, that's why he was right. acting. Like, people apparently who know stuff about wine is like, yeah, that's what people who actually don't understand wine say stuff sure. like that. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of amazing Merlots out there. Okay, well, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Seems yeah, we will. Like yeah. something we could talk about outside we'll of this. We'll do a little tasting back in my hotel right. room. Um, about your process, how did you go about writing the book? Because I wrote a book, but it's sort of a, a fake book. I wrote a book. I had a blog that became a book, and I basically... He had a terrific blog called Look at This Fucking Hipster. Yeah. That he then... I don't know if thank anyone you. ever went to that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. And he wrote a terrific book. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't call it a non-book because you wrote you wrote a bunch of essays. Yeah, there are essays thing. in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's mostly pictures and me calling <laughs> strangers assholes. You were telling me last night that you're the. Uh the, the bulk of work on your book was spent on the phone begging people to let yeah. them use their picture. Yeah, well, I, I had about three months to write the book, but two months were spent uh, just figuring out the legal process right. of getting right. pictures of, of strangers into a book. Yeah. And so I wrote, it was like a college paper. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Like, I think I got like a B plus because I, I ended up, I, I stayed up for like three nights finishing it. And then I sent it in, and I was like, "Is that a book? Is that is that right. how books work?" Right. I don't think it is. So, uh, how do you how did you write your book? Really badly. Um, the the process. I thought here's how here's how dumb I was when I first got the when we first did the contract. I was like, I do a lot of work on the road. I'm I'm doing a lot of movies and TV shows. I'll write in my hotel room. I'll write in my trailer. No mm -hmm. big. Got all this downtime. Sure. No. You will not. You are. If you're working as a comedian, when I work as a comedian, when I'm in a hotel room, I just want to buy movies on TV and eat room service and sleep till three o'clock. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to kind of cancel uh, a lot of stand up dates. I had to ask for an extension on the book and then just sit at home. And then my wife was nice enough to go, why don't you rent like a just a, a featureless hotel room near us and just sit there for a few days and just write? And I found a hotel room that didn't have. I found a hotel that didn't have Wi-Fi yet, and that was a godsend. Yeah. So I, I was able to write. Because if you notice, I put at the end of every chapter, well, as honestly as I could, what I did on the internet while I wrote. Because I would write on my laptop, and then there's that, there's that little Firefox symbol just going, you know you want to click yeah. me. Come on. Yeah. And especially when you write, my, my head is such a mess anyway, and it's such a... Free association. That I'll be midway through a sentence, and then literally I go, "What were the lyrics to Toto's '99? Right. What was that song yeah. about?" And I'm, and then I'm, I'm literally looking up those lyrics, and as I'm doing it, I'm like, "I don't even like this song. Right. Why, am, Why I am I doing, doing this? this?" You actually, one of your notes for that was uh, you were looking up, I think, the trivia section on IMDb for, uh, for Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah, and that's like my new obsession is that every movie they have on these amazing IMDb trivia has stuff. a trivia stuff, and then also has a goof section. Yep. Every movie has a goof you... section. So it's Schindler's List has a goof section. Oh, I know. Yeah. And Flight 93, like the most morbid movies you can think of. And people like will pause the movie and be like, error, error. And they like go to their computer <laughs> and be like, uh, the guy had a box cutter in his left hand. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who has time next to scene, do that? It's in his right hand. 
So uh, if you look at the master shot, uh, his uh, shirt is buttoned all the way to the top, and yet when they go to the clothes hop, <laughs> that button is unbuttoned. So, <laughs> so it's a fun thing. If you uh, you see any really depressing movies, go uh, right to IMDb. I've always said that Schindler's List for the closing credits should have had a blooper reel. That would have really helped. <laughs> just little crack ups, I you agree. know, Dom yeah. DeLuise just losing his peeing his pants. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I could I remember there was a, a weird talk about dis, uh, distractions. Um, I love doing the show real time with Bill Maher, and I really love it. But the one thing I do miss when he would do politically incorrect because he had to do that show every night. So sometimes the guest pool was way wider, and he sometimes didn't get the most exciting or seemingly exciting guest. So he'd have on like a writer that I loved, and that guy would end up being a dud. Then you have someone like. Ali Sheedy or John Tesh, who I don't have any feelings for, <laughs> sure. who end up saying weirdly brilliant things. You're like, whoa, that where did that come from? And he had on John Tesh. And John Tesh said this. He said it to be funny, but it's actually kind of sinister. Where he goes, the way a mall works, if you've ever been to a shopping mall, and I, we all go to shop malls and like, look at all this crap. Like, I think we go cynically. And he goes, I do too. I'm walking in the mall, and there's a store, and it says, just magnets. And if you're 100 feet away, you're like, that's the dumbest thing. I would just magnets. <laughs> but if you just get within five feet, you'll kind of go, oh, that looks like a little scoop of jelly. That's kind of clever. <laughs> and then he goes, literally, 10 minutes later, you'll be in line with that magnet going, what am I doing? <laughs> I was just making fun of this store. Like, and that is how malls work. Like, It's that weird. And I think that the internet is just a, a, a mall for your own head. And it's a mall for your own memories where mm. you're – there could be some dopey movie that you don't really care about or some dumb song or TV show. But now that there's YouTube and the internet, you're like – you just get close enough to thinking about it. You're like, let's see what Facts of Life was all about again. Right. Or, you know. or John Tesh. I, I think two weeks ago I found myself watching on YouTube his like live at Red Rocks. The Red Rocks yeah, special. So. <laughs> The whole so orchestra like, playing the NBA theme song. It's the best. So it's like, it's so Red Rocks, you 2 and John Tesh. That's who they <laughs> posted out there. Yeah. Okay. I think that's about the same, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, so I think, should we open it up to uh, the floor? Does anyone uh, out here have sure. questions? Raise your questions, hand. Yeah. We have a microphone. We'll come to you right here in the second row. Let's give a hand to these amazing Apple employees, by the way. These are, uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't imagine how hard it must be with people like, hey, what's the thing with the button that you know what I'm talking about, right? By the way, don't, don't Apple stores look like the friendliest Death Star you've ever seen? <laughs> like, it's almost like if, if the Empire was like, how can we re... We got to redo this interior because it's very... All this gray and black. Like, well, let's make it all white and give the Stormtroopers blue T-shirts with their names <laughs> on it. Like, let's do that. It is, this is the friendliest Death Star you've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen our new Alderaan destroying app? You got to get it. It's pretty great. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, have you ever come across a fan who turns out to also be a fast forward or someone who's pol like politics who you vehemently disagree with and how that sort of difficulty works out? Yeah, I've, I, I, have I ever come across a fan that was kind of a fast forward? I've come across fans and it's not i mean for 99.9 percent .9 of fans are really terrific and are and are just living i mean really terrific lives and that's one good thing about becoming a comedian and getting some fame is you meet other smart people in other fields where they're like hey i'm a physicist you're like oh my god and you get to talk to them but you also meet people that are like well i'm a fan of you i i 
literally it's that unspoken, I pay your bills, so you help me. Like, you get me in, and they don't really know what they want to do. I'll give you an example. Um, I, was, I did my last special, and we, we filmed it, and they, they said very politely, please don't, you know, film with camera phones or anything like that, you know, because we're going to put this out. And a week before my special aired, someone emailed me and said, hey, the first 10 minutes of your special is up on YouTube. And I went, what? And I went there, and it was someone had shot camera phone footage of my special. So that means they shot it months ago and then waited a bit and then put it up on their YouTube channel. And I wrote to him. And you have to have Victorian politeness with people on the Internet. You can't go, hey, take that down. They're like, fuck you. No, I'm definitely keeping it up. You have to go, beastly sorry to trouble you. If I might, if I may implore you. So I just said, look, uh, you know, this special really means a lot to me, and I worked very hard on it, and, and I, would, I just don't want, like, bad, shaky footage of, of it early. Like, could you, and, and he immediately was cool. He took it down, and he wrote me back and said, hey, you know, I'm sorry about that. I'm just a huge fan. And, um, uh, you know, I've made, like, 30 or 40 little short films on my YouTube channel. Was, would love it if you could watch them and critique them for me and then maybe, you know, get me a meeting with your manager or agent about, you know, getting these things seen. And then, again, I was just like, the, like I, I'm pissed off, but again, I wrote back going, um, I, as much as I would love to, uh, it would be unfair of me to say yes because I'm so busy with the things I would never get to it and I would certainly not want to stall you or anything like that. I, and I politely passed, and then he wrote back and said, that's cool, period. Kind of bummed, though, dash, I did take that video down for you. That's like, nice I, of him. That I totally really... did you a favor <laughs> a by mensch. taking that video down that I shouldn't have posted. So that, that, that's the version of the fast forward as a fan, where it's like, yeah, you need, to, you need to get me up to where you are immediately. And it's like, well, I took 23 years to get here. You can start, but it will take a long time, you know. So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. Another question here in the front row. Oh, hey. Hey, Ben. Um, you're one of my favorite guests on podcasts and radio shows. And Thank whatever. you. But, um, and I know you've done like a lot of press right now for the book. What are some of the horror stories that you've had with some of the local radio stations and, you know? Funny you should ask that. Uh, I did a radio tour yesterday morning. 20 stations. Had to go to a, that's my poor publicist. Had to sit there and listen to this horror. 20 stations. 18 of them were Fantastic. They were really nice. It was fun. Two of them were so horrible, and I'll just tell you one of them. I was talking to two guys in Tucson, and we were having a fun conversation. It was really light and fun, and then one of them said, Hey, so uh, you're on that show Dollhouse. Too bad you didn't get to make out with, uh, with Eliza Dushku. I'm like, Yeah, it's too bad. She's really cute. And they're like, Yeah, well, if you were a black guy, you'd, you'd totally get in because you know she loves black guys. And I went, and I said, what? And then the guy goes, well, she's dating Rick Fox. And I was like, yeah, who happens to be black? I don't think it she means. She likes a black guy. Yeah, she likes a black guy that she's in love with. And then they both were like, oh, so I guess uh, you're just not interested in this interview anymore. <laughs> like, I'm, like I, I'm just, we're having a conversation. Sometimes in conversation, someone says something, you go, ah, oh, that's bullshit. I don't believe that. And you'll go, yeah, we're not friends then. You know, you just, you just agree to disagree. And then they just hung up on me, and it was just so... Well, I guess you're not yeah. going to let me talk to your manager now, I guess. Yeah, so I guess we're not going to get syndicated through you. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my latest one, and it's as fresh as yesterday's breakfast. Right here in the center? Oh! Hey, Patton. Um, Hi. Really nice to see you. Uh, slightly 
three times at Irvine last year, and amazing <laughs> oh every God. time. Thank it, you. It's cool to see your comedy evolve and all that. Um, Do you live in Irvine? Uh, around the area, yeah. So oh. uh, it's it's <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's terrible, but yeah. um, anyway, uh, obviously you know known for your stand-up comedy and your guest appearances on things. Um, what was your audition for Magnolia and more serious roles like that? I mean, obviously, yeah, you didn't have many, you know, much of a speaking part or at all, but what was that like? My audition was I was hanging out in the kitchen of the Largo with Paul Thomas Anderson one night, and he went, I'm shooting a movie, you want to do something in it? I went, yeah, and he goes, okay. And then I got a call. I'm sorry, that, that, I wish I had a better story. That's exactly how I got it. We, all, we, we, we were all kind of hanging out in the same circle around, centered around a club called the Largo in L.A., and um, that's, I wish I had a better story. It's like the worst trivia section on IMDb. <laughs> Patton got his role because Paul Thomas Anderson asked him to do it. Yeah. Another one in the center. Uh, hi, Patton. Uh, hi. Big fan. Uh, love the book so far. I just started it. But, um, oh, thank you. I was wondering uh, just what your general process is when you're writing a bit. And it's not so much the short form, but like if you have a funny idea, how you might work that into the bit overall as a whole for like an hour as opposed to just the one yeah, concept. Yeah, um, I, I know what you're saying. It, uh I wish I could say that I sat down and wrote stuff. Some of my, my favorite comedians actually write and craft their bits. I go on stage and just work them out night after night. I can only write on stage. There are some single lines that just kind of free float that I've always loved that I'll jot down in a notebook, and, they'll f and I'll finally find the bit that will nurture that line later. Um, for instance, the thing about uh, describing an old man losing control of his bowels and doing the sound effect, soup, was... Um, <laughs> I had that for, ye like, literally years ago. I said that at some party, and then uh, this is such a sad thing to be proud of. Like, uh, where am I going to use the sound effect of an old man? Then I finally also, worked it into... Also, what did you write down in your notepad? That's what I want to uh, know. Well, Just I literally wrote soup. down, like, soup in capital letters, and I know what it means. Amazing. I just don't know where it's going to go. Right. Um, and then I was able to work it into that bit about my love-hate relationship with Reagan much later <laughs> when he, you know what I mean? Like, that. just the fact that, like... That that I'm, I'm sure you guys heard the bit, but did I just say I'm sure you got like I'm clapped and I'm describing Layla? Yeah. You all know this you classic know bit of comedy. I don't need to repeat it. Basically, I was just talking about how how you know Reagan because I, I I just read this amazing biography of him, and for pretty much his second term, he was struggling with Alzheimer's and his brain was imploding, and he was still just unbelievably eloquent. It was like that thing where there are some people that have these gifts, and no matter what happens to the body, they don't go away. Like, no matter how much Elvis abused his body, his voice just was untouched. And it was, and weirdly enough, as much as Reagan's brain would was starting to, stopping to function, he could still string together these amazing phrases. So I was like, there's something impressive about a guy suffering from Alzheimer's who's standing in front of the Berlin Wall in adult diapers, just going, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, soup. You know, so, and, and I remember when I finally fit that in, I'm like, wow, that's been sitting around for five years. And then I was like, what a sad thing to be proud of. Go back to your notepad, the yeah. one thing that's written down. Cross. Done. Yeah, that's my, that's my bucket list. Yeah. How will I work soup, soup. and Over here on the far left. Hey, Pat, what's up? Hey, um, I just wanted to say I saw you Wednesday actually at Forbidden Planet. Oh, and, no um, kidding! Yeah, and um, yeah, I've come to the, to the point where I'm like, 
kind of desensitized like you uh, about celebrities and everything. And it's like, I don't want to be like an asshole fan that comes up. Oh, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Owens. I'm a big fan. It's like, well, fuck don't it. do it like that. But yeah, you know. <laughs> No, but it's like fuck it. You know, you know, you know, you have big fans, you know. So, um, anyway, I just want to say I, 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 I respect you know your. I respect your views, and I really think a book like yours needed to be written in this society today. Oh, and man. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for writing the book, and. Um, I just wanted to know if, like, when you first, like, when you first started King of Queens, mm-hmm. were you like starstruck? And at one point, did you get desensitized to all the bullshit of Hollywood? <laughs> um, first off, so you were in Forbidden Planet on Wednesday. Was that? Were you also getting new comics? Was that New Comics Day for you? Yeah, you got your big stack. No, I, I only get trades now, so I got like. Oh, so fucking... you so you've matured beyond where I am because I yes. still got to get the single issues, <laughs> and you're like, I'll wait to see the whole thing yeah, put together. Yeah, I don't... It. It's just more convenient for me, you know. Yeah, I'll yeah. Just read no, the whole I... in one shot, and I don't have patience anymore to wait like months and months. Like Final Crisis, who the fuck could have done that for like <laughs> six months when you dragged <laughs> it out? You know. All right, easy killer. Um, <laughs> You know, I got to say, I, I have not lost my kind of suburban kid starstruckedness about it. I just haven't. I, I, when I was first on King of Queens, I was amazing to meet Jerry Stiller. We would have guest stars like Grace Zabriskie, and that would freak me out. And, and even now, when I meet people, especially writers, you know, like I... <clears throat> um, Carl Gottlieb is coming to my second show tonight. He wrote Jaws, and I feel like like Clapton's going to drop by. Like I don't know what I'm going to say to him. So yeah. it's like I I think if you if you lose that kind of starstruckness about Hollywood, then because because you're you're in acting because you love movies and you're enchanted by them. And I think if you lose that enchantment, that's where you see the actors that are just clearly going through the paces. So I hope I never lose that. I hope I'm excited when I meet new people or meet people that I've always been fans of. I did a little indie movie with Peter Boyle and getting to ride in the van with him every morning and just going, man, the scene you did in Hardcore where you're negotiating with George C. Scott, like that was so, like, you know, I was like a, a, even though we were doing scenes together, I'm still in between shots. like, oh, where did you get your character from in The Candidate? That was so brilliant, you know, so I never want to lose that. Ever, ever, ever. I want to call it to go, Peter Boyle, you're so awesome, dude. So, you know, that's the same thing. We have time for two more questions. Oh. Thank you. Um, I read your Wired article, which I thought was brilliant, by the Thank way. Thank you. And I was just curious after reading it. Um, I know you hate how it's so convenient for anyone to become otaku now, but I was wondering if, like, you would still... You would still use like the resources we have today, because like I was sitting in Borders Saturday mm-hmm. morning, eight o'clock in the morning, to get that book signed, and I activated my Netflix on my phone <laughs> right there, and I was just like, "Fuck it, I haven't seen Firefly. I'll watch a season of Firefly." <laughs> hey, you know, I- I'm telling you, I it's not that I I don't hate that it's so easy. I- if anything, what I hate is that it 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 affects me so strongly. I want to go down those rabbit holes and just go see everything. What I'm worried about is how it's going to affect the products we're going to get in the future. So that's all I was saying was, you know, just keep in mind that just because things can be very easily downloaded, I don't want the new 
nerds to when they're making their stuff to then just like fast forward. To, like it, it just seems to me that a lot of the movies that are coming out are just guys going, I just want to put together a string of scenes that I've liked in movies, which is fine, but don't forget that, you know, the 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 kind of storytelling and the and the humanity of it. That's the only thing I'm worried about losing. And but I have no problem with people like having easy access to it. I just have a problem with me being so seduced by it. So thanks. Thanks for coming to the signing too, man. And one more in the far in the back row of the man with the, the hat. Hello Kitty iPod cover section. <laughs> yes, I was thinking because I've followed you for a long time, and you know you say a lot about celebrities and the wannabe celebrities and the fast forwarders. And I'm wondering how often do you find yourself just face to face with one of them that are like, I'm a big fan and I hate other people, and you're like, I'm talking about you. Like, how awkward is that to have to like be in the mouth of that? You mean like how? How often do I find myself face-to-face with someone that blows me away? Or? No, 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 not the celebrities. I'm sorry, like the, the wannabe celebrities or like these kind of asshole fast-forwarders you've dealt with where you're like, I'm talking about you and now you're a fan. Right. I- well, it, what, like I said earlier, not that often, thank goodness. I think that one good thing that because we're such a celebrity and media-savvy culture now, people know better how to act. So it's the people that come to you, and they're not bad people. They're just so damaged, and they, they've had so much of life kind of cut off from them that they you know they they haven't learned how to form a full person they have formed a person through some tiny window that they've seen in a film or in a TV show so i always try to be as nice as i can to them unless they are really mean you know and there's some people they're they're not even mean out of malice they just don't know how else to act you know they're like i i i saw you in king of queens and that was kind of shitty um but it was good that you got to do ratatouille and you know, and you're like what? And you realize they just don't know how else to talk to people. You know, it's like that character that I was really happy I got to be in Big Fan because I got to play a version of that person that I, uh, that I, I don't see a lot, but when I see it, it really stays with you. Because there, there are some haunted, damaged people out there. There really are. It's sad, you know? So. I think that's a good it? way to end it, yeah. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know. There are some haunted, sad people out there. Anyway, and, uh, yeah. So much loneliness. Anyway, have a good weekend, and uh, I hope you enjoy my book and Death it's a great and Oblivion. <clears throat> Thanks. Uh, Take us everyone. home, Joe. Wrap it up. Come on, man. Big uh, finish. Uh, everyone, Pat Oswalt. Yeah. Give a big hand. Pat Oswalt and his Thanks, book. It's a, it's a great piece of work. One more time, guys. Thank you very much to Pat Oswalt. The book Zombie Spaceship Wasteland available now. The Meet the Filmmaker podcast, also going to be available for free in the iTunes store. And don't forget, for all our upcoming events, apple.com forward slash Soho, we have Paul Giamatti coming here later this week, as well as some other wonderful things happening. And if you don't have the website in front of you, you can get it on your iOS device now, the Apple Store app, completely free as well. We'll have all the upcoming events here at the Apple Store Soho. Thank you so much, and have the best weekend ever. Take care, guys.